amplify your career through training and development solutions specifically designed for federal government professionals. From courses to help you attain or retain certification, to individualized coaching services, to programs that hone your leadership skills and business acumen, Management Concepts optimizes your professional development. Online, in person, individually, or groups, it's training that's measurably better. Learn more at managementconcepts.com. That's managementconcepts.com. What if you could have a career where the opportunities are as vast as our nation, where it's not about mission statements, but a shared mission? At U.S. Customs and Border Protection, we go beyond to protect more than borders, from ship to shore, air to ground, cities to local communities. CBP agents and officers are keeping people safe. Join U.S. Customs and Border Protection and go beyond for something far greater than yourself. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. On this episode of Pod Virginia, IRL, we're here in real life, in the flesh, coming at you live from the Resonate Podcast Festival in Richmond, Virginia. We'll also talk about new polling from the Wasson Center, Denver Riggleman stumping for Abigail Spanberger. Plus, we take a look at the latest consumer price index. You are listening to Pod Virginia. Stick around. Support for Pod Virginia comes from the Virginia Poverty Law Center, the League of Conservation Voters Education Fund, Dominion Energy, and Patreons who are listeners like you. I'm Michael Pope. I'm Thomas Bowman. And this is Pod Virginia, a podcast that's very rarely in the same room at the same time. But here we are in the Fleming James Parlor at Linden Row Inn. Yeah, we're having a blast and we're learning a lot. And if you're a podcaster, highly recommend it if they end up doing this again next year. Yeah, I hope they do, Thomas, because we're having a great time here in Richmond. Uh, It's been great to see you in person. You know, we rarely do this uh, IRL, and it's been great to meet all of our colleagues here in podcasting at the Resonate Podcast Festival. So, yeah, hopefully this becomes a tradition and we can come back here to the Linden Row Inn. Yeah, believe it or not, Jack Lake Media has got three employees, and we haven't gotten a chance to meet them in person till now, almost a whole year later. Great. Well, let's get to the news. The politics of abortion. Virginians overwhelmingly want abortion to be legal in most or all cases. That's according to a new poll from Christopher Newport University's Wasson Center for Civic Leadership. But dig a little deeper into the results, and there's an interesting twist. Rebecca Bromley Trujillo is research director at the Wasson Center, and she says most voters would also support some kind of restrictions if there are exceptions for the life of the mother, rape, or incest. Here uh, is an interesting finding that a narrow majority support banning um, abortions after the 15th week of pregnancy with those exceptions at 51%. So just a narrow um, support. Democrats say abortion is one of their most important issues this year. And now that the U.S. Supreme Court has overturned Roe v. Wade, Virginia stands poised to either continue access or moving towards some kind of a ban. That polling suggests it's an issue that will continue to be at the center of elections for years. This is going to be an ongoing issue uh, with abortion because this is a purpley state. And so as we change from Democrats to Republicans in power at the state level, 
there will always be a fight over which direction we're going to go on abortion restrictions or not. Another thing the poll covered was President Joe Biden's approval ratings. And Michael, they're not so hot. Fewer than four in 10 people approve of his job performance. When it comes to Governor Youngkin, however, there is a little bit better news for Youngkin. He receives 50% approval in this poll, 40% disapprove, another 9% are saying they don't know. You know, also what's interesting about this poll, Thomas, is the generic ballot. So Democrats are slightly favored with 46% of registered voters um, who say they'll support the party, the the Democratic candidate um, in their district. That's compared to 40% of Republicans who support the Republican on the generic ballot. So, you know, when Democrats saw these polling results, they thought it was a pretty good sign here that they're winning on the generic ballot. Um, but it's that's really slight there. I mean, that's not a huge lead that the Democrats have got. And then there's this thing about abortion. It is really interesting. Vast majority of Virginians support abortion being legal in most or all cases, but then also majority support for the 15-week ban here with the with the exceptions. So it's kind of conflicting data. Sometimes polling does this, where you, do they tell you two conflicting things at the same time. Well, and the other thing that we don't really have an insight in is to how much they actually care, whether there's energy behind the banning abortion position or energy behind preserving abortion rights. Clearly, abortion is one of the hottest issues this year, but also another interesting part of that polling data was the, you know, the interest of the specific kinds of voters. So abortion rights, climate change, those are Democratic issues. And then Republicans, of course, are interested in other things, inflation, the economy. And so, I mean, we really sort of have come down to this this point that we're at now, which is what are voters going to be actually caring about and thinking about and concerned about when they actually cast a ballot? Well, and this poll does also provide some insights into the Democrats' campaign strategy. What they don't want is for Joe Biden to be on the ballot, because if Joe Biden is what everybody is going to the polls to say whether or not they approve or disapprove, and it's a extension of the approval ratings then Democrats are going to have a bad day. What they want is for the issues to be on abortion, the economy, and all the jobs that have been created recently. Well, you mentioned Biden. You know, the polling has him at 39%. That is really low for our incumbent president. So like, uh, you know, contrast that with Youngkin's approval, which is at 50. I mean, um, so Michael, this is a snapshot of where people were in late September, early October, when the poll was taken. And of course, the only poll that matters is the one that happened on election day. And so when we think about these polls, any one poll really just kind of gives us a general sense and direction. People are making up their minds. You're starting to see undecideds narrow. And with issues like abortion, there is often general, broad level uh, support or apathy or okayness with hypothetical concepts like a 15-week ban. But when you actually drill down into the specifics and you have to put an actual bill on the table, there's a real policy choice there that people can pick apart. And that is when minds get made up and people come home to their respective side on that issue. You know, this polling also had some interesting data points here that I thought were fascinating. The, the Democrats 
are interested as an issue in the topic of gun violence, while the Republicans are interested in crime. It is really interesting that the, the interplay there between gun yeah. violence versus crime. Uh, another thing that jumped out at me here is they polled support or opposition to different parts of like the Inflation Reduction Act, for example, and other kinds of things that the legislature might end up doing. So you saw not a lot of support here for the IRS agents in the Inflation Reduction Act, not a lot of support for um, tax credits for low-income people to buy electric vehicles. Um, but there's, again, a conflicting data here because the voters also supported like tax cuts for utility-scale solar and um, wind power credits. And it's it's interesting that the voters thought it was okay to give tax credits to corporations, but not low-income people. Hmm. You know, Michael, one thing that sticks out to me from this poll is that the messaging is mixed. Democrats don't necessarily have a clear message about all of these specific uh, policies uh, and wins for Joe Biden that they're trying to run on. And so that leads to confusion in the voters. Of course, the Republicans want that to happen, and they've got their own messaging that they're trying to push. And historically, Republicans are much better at messaging than Democrats. I think about the estate tax, which prevented families from building up wealth intergenerationally. You're talking about the death tax? And Republicans call it the death tax. And of course, nobody wants a death tax. That's a very bad thing. And that's just case in point of how important messaging is for when people are making up their minds about whether they like or dislike a certain policy. We're going to see similar things play out around the Inflation Reduction Act. All right, let's move on to our next topic. Cross-party traffic. Former Republican Congressman Denver Riggleman is endorsing incumbent Democrat Abigail Spanberger. This is not a typical political ad. I'm a Republican congressman saying nice things about a Democrat. Riggleman lost his seat after officiating a gay wedding. Then he became an advisor for the January 6th committee. Now he's participating in what Stephen Farnsworth at the University of Mary Washington says is a long tradition in Virginia politics. If you look back to the days when Senator John Warner was active in Virginia politics, for example, you really did see a real concern about conservative Republicans undermining the state of the party as well as not being the best choice for the country. Yeah, Stephen Farnsworth makes a really interesting point here, which is that John Warner, the late Senator John Warner, late in his career endorsed a lot of Democrats. Tim Kaine, uh, I think he endorsed Luria, um, Mark Warner, you know, also Hillary Clinton. Um, and this is kind of a long tradition, you know, like if you think about in recent years, we've seen David Ramadan, Republican David Ramadan endorsed Democrats, Terry McAuliffe. I think Virgil Goode had a reputation as being kind of a cross-party person. Uh, if you think about the other side of this, there was the Democratic Senator Benjamin Lambert ended up endorsing George Allen back in 2006. And that was not good for Senator Lambert, who ended up being primaried by a guy named Donald McEachin. This was actually the, the, the origin story here of now Congressman McEachin. And then if you go way back in time, you think about Democratic State Senator Henry Howell helping Republican Linwood Holton become governor. Um, and so, yeah, there's a long history of this kind of thing that Denver Riggleman is doing right now. Or how about, and shout out to your book, Michael, The Bird Machine in Virginia, Democrat Harry Bird and his son running as an independent 
and eventually having that bird machine flip from Democrat to Republican over about a generation of politics. Well, you know, I think that's best exemplified by Mills Godwin, who, right. you know, had a term as a Democrat and then made a comeback um, as a Republican. The only Virginia governor to serve two terms since Patrick Henry. Yeah, I think there might actually have been another governor to serve two non-consecutive terms after Patrick Henry, but before Mills Godwin. And it's it, he was not elected. He was appointed by the General Assembly. Hmm. Um, this is there was a long period of time when governors weren't elected. I love your esoteric knowledge. <laughs> it's actually in my notebook. I can find it, but he he had to resign to become Secretary of State. So it's James Monroe. James Monroe had two non-consecutive terms as hmm. governor, but he resigned. He, that second was term, he, he only served like a week or two because he got appointed Secretary of State. Okay, so he wasn't colonial governor. No, no, this is early. Because Patrick Henry was colonial governor first, then elected Virginia State. Or common, excuse me, Commonwealth of Virginia governor second. Mm -hmm. Anyway, so the point, I mean, like actually we're making the point here, which is that uh, what Denver Riggleman is doing right now actually has a very long history in, in Virginia. And thank goodness that people aren't so tribal that they never endorse on the other side of the party. Virginia's never been about extremes. We talked last week about how it is so national security heavy. And one thing that's required when many of your voters care about national security, is a steady hand at the wheel. And Republicans like John Warner have are, are very far from a lot of the Republicans who get elected in the Tea Party wave, and now the MAGA Republicans getting elected now, who are not establishment Republicans, uh, or at least they're not running as establishment Republicans. And that bothers a lot of the moderate Republicans, whereas Democrats have uh, positioned themselves since the Warner years, but it's evolved to try to become the reasonable, steady hand at the wheel. And it's notable, I think, that Gillespie loses. He's seen as a partisan hack in a way, but it was a very close election. And Glenn Youngkin's able to successfully run as a moderate and bring a lot of those Republican voters back home from the Terry McAuliffe, Ralph Northam Democrats. Yeah, well, clearly a long tradition and a lot of interesting things happening in, here in Virginia. Let's geek out on some new numbers from the Bureau of Labor Statistics. I'm falling asleep already, Michael. We need more coffee. <laughs> the rising cost of natural gas is leading the list of items on the consumer price index that are now more expensive than they were a year ago. Much more expensive. Oleg Korneg is chairman of the economics department at Virginia Commonwealth University, and he says the price we pay for natural gas here in Virginia is tied to the world market. Europe experiences huge problem with natural gas because Russia cut off Europe from natural gas. And so the prices on natural gas in Europe, they went up 10 times, not 10 percent, 10 times. Michael Farron at George Mason University's Mercatus Center says one item that's actually not rising is the cost of gasoline. Much of that price pressure was due to a lack of refining supply, as well as surging demand coming out of our recovery from COVID and a deliberate withholding of supply on the part of OPEC so that they could keep prices up just as the world economies were trying to recover. Yeah, so there's a lot going on here. Um, we're talking about our local consumer price index. So, you know, the, when these numbers came out last week, 
they came out for all the metropolitan statistical areas. So the numbers that we're looking at here, Thomas, are the ones for the Washington, D.C. area, Arlington, Alexandria, Washington, D.C., MSA. And, you know, I, I took all of the percentage increases and, you know, put them on a spreadsheet to see which one is, you know, the highest. And so, I mean, the the spreadsheet actually has, you know, a lot of things are going up. Food, the cost of food at your house is going up like 9%. Uh, the cost of cereal and baked goods is going up 10%. Transportation costs are going up 12%. But then you get to the top of this list here and it's utility piped gas service, which is natural gas. As we just heard from our experts here, you know, our local economy is inexorably tied to the world economy and the price of natural gas is just going through the roof here where we live because of events going on the other side of the globe. Yeah, and it's important to point out how different the commodities markets are for oil and natural gas. It's something like 60% of Russian exports where they make their actual money to fund their government and pay their bills come from oil sales. And in order to do all that, Russia needs the price of oil to stay above $80, $85 a barrel. Now, it's been around $100 a barrel, and the United States wants to get that really low. So we are increasing, or, or we are opening up our strategic reserve, and that is what's bringing much of the price of gas down. And by the way, the United States is uh, having those supplies dwindle, and our hope is that the oil refineries can refine enough gasoline to restock those refineries ahead of this winter. But the United States wants oil prices low. OPEC decided they were going to cut production, which keeps those oil prices over $85 a barrel. So that is actually OPEC saying they're siding with Russia. And there's a lot of reasons for that. One of them is that Russia needs to pay a lot of bond debt. And those are often to countries that are its allies, which are OPEC countries by and large, and China. Now, natural gas, very different. So there's a lot less natural gas in the world these days also because of Russia. So for years, Michael, Russia supplied Europe with cheap natural gas to lower its factories and heat homes. But after the West imposed sanctions for the war in Ukraine, Russia slashed its supplies, effectively weaponizing its natural gas. And so while global supply has dropped, demand's actually up. And not just demand generally, demand for United States natural gas. So we've opened up our strategic reserves and we're supplying our natural gas mostly to Europe to try to make up that deficit. Half of American homes use natural gas for heating or cooling. So given how hot this summer was, we had our air conditioners working overtime. And that actually ended up causing supplies of natural gas to dwindle faster. So our inventories are down. And because the US has to export its own supply of gas to Europe to make up for Russia cutting off its gas, that just means there's so much more demand for American natural gas that it's driven prices up over 300% just in the few weeks since September. You know what I think is interesting about these CPI data is if you look at the categories, they're, they're all going up, basically. Um, so if you look at the food area, you see an item like dairy and related products going up 17%. So like, you know, that's almost 20%. That's a lot. I think if you're at the grocery store and you're shopping, you will notice the 20% increase in dairy and related products. 
Um, so, but that's nothing compared to the cost of the net. Your the piped natural gas coming into your house is going up twice as much as that, right? Yes. So uh, it is really interesting. Also, I think that the the energy sector here of the CPI data. These are all the line items that are going up here. Fuels and utilities is, is the super category. But then underneath that, you get things like household energy, uh, electricity, what we talked about, utility piped natural gas. Um, I mean, like this is the energy part of this data is super interesting because it's going up so much more than everything else. The bottom line is you probably want to dress in layers this winter rather than crank up your thermostat because the National Energy Assistance Directors Association, that's a mouthful, estimates the average family may pay more than $1,200 just to heat their home. That doesn't include turn on their ovens. Okay, Thomas, we should probably end this thing now before the folks here at the Linden Row Inn kick us out of the parlor suite here. Yeah, we got to get back to the festival. So tune in Thursday when our producer, Arian Ballou, talks to Michael Pope about his new book on the Bird Organization. Pod Virginia is a production of Jackleg Media. Our producer is Arian Ballou, and our advertising sales manager is David O'Connell. Find us on Facebook or Twitter. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. And hey... Write a review on Apple Podcast. It really helps people find the show. Make sure to smash the subscribe button so you don't miss the next episode of Pod Virginia. This podcast is so jack-legged. Amplify your career through training and development solutions specifically designed for federal government professionals. From courses to help you attain or retain certification, to individualized coaching services, to programs that hone your leadership skills and business acumen, Management Concepts optimizes your professional development. Online, in person, individually, or groups, it's training that's measurably better. Learn more at managementconcepts.com. That's managementconcepts.com. Every day, we rise, challenging ourselves to work for what we believe in. At U.S. Border Patrol, protecting our borders is more than a job. It's a calling. Agents answer the call, working together to keep our country and communities safe. If you are ready for a new mission, join U.S. Border Patrol and go beyond. Learn more at cbp.gov careers.